Good morning, good morning. It's been a busy weekend. And uh, what a joy. Um, just in short, my friend Ferdy, we've been friends in 2003, myself, my wife, I told the guys yesterday, we actually kind of were in a desperate place spiritually where we felt like we need to find something else, just, you know, ministry, and we actually escaped and we to America because of sports ministry that I was involved in, and there Pastor Rice came to me and said, listen, why, why are you here? And he said, I kind of told the sport, he said, no, that's not why you're here. He says, can we redirect your way? And he said, can we, don't, why don't you come to Nashville and come to the pastor school? I said, I don't plan that. I mean, we didn't budget for that. He says, don't worry, can we change your plans and we'll pay for it? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You always joke when you run into Pastor Rice, your direction change. And uh, so we end up in Nashville, and they said, Oh, yeah, and so we've organized an accommodation for you. There's a house on the church property right there. You, you and Renee are going to stay there. And as we walk into this house, we realize we're not alone. Here comes this Filipino. His name is Ferdi Kabaling. In 2003, he was the very first guy I met from the Philippines. And here we stayed in the house for a whole month, and it radically changed my life. Just listening to his stories and the things that were burning in my heart and the frustrations that I had. It's amazing how amazing God is. I have these frustrations because we preach to people on Sunday. We preach. We do all kinds of trainings and, you know, all kinds of things. And then people walk out of the venue and then they just keep on living the same life. And you're kind of, Lord, is it worth it as a preacher to spend time here and spend time in the Word? And people just continue on their own lives and make their own lives priority. I was frustrated. And yeah, walking to home and God makes me connect with somebody. And as we start to talk, what's already in my heart a desire, already seeing his life and what happened to him, I said, Lord, this is it. And that day was not a cognitive, it was not a, a brain, a mind to decision that I want to do church a little bit different and let's try small groups. I had a deep personal conviction that I will never build any other way ever again in my life because I've not seen other things work. I do believe in the spirit, the, pre the preaching of the word. I believe in these moments. Why? When you open up the word of God, it opens you up. But I believe this hour is not enough to transform your life. It is consistent relationship in your life that journeys with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you getting involved. You're no more a spectator. You're a participator. And that's what changed our lives. So I'm going to continue. Last week we spoke about... Um, Christian did a great job starting off this whole thing about change, please. And he spoke about Romans 6 and really exposed to us what happens to us when in this world. And, you know, either sadness overtakes us or, you know, we get into this place where we get kind of not just desperate, but we get depressed. And we find ourselves in this absolute horrible place which we, we don't want to be there. Now, I've got sadness here. I'm going to take the nail and drive it a little bit deeper so that we really understand what's happening here. So that we really get desperate so we say we want out. Okay? Now I've got panadas here. This morning I woke up and had kind of a pretty terrible headache. And, um, but before I took the panadu, I actually went on onto Google and I started to do a whole search on where does Bernardo's come from, who made it, why was it made. I mean, I had a terrible headache, but I, was, I had first had to get knowledge about the, the pill and everything about it before I actually used it. Yeah, right, that's not what happened. 
I just grabbed two pills and I just swallowed it. <laughs> you know, I don't even know who made this, but I've used it before and it's kind of worked before and I mean, I just used it. You see, the problem is, I know this works, but I don't even know exactly who made it, where it came from, but it still works. There's another box here that somebody, I was asking Punados, just to demonstrate, somebody gave me a box of Smarties. Now, whom of you would like this or this? Oh, yeah, I said, you want the Smarties, why? <laughs> it also works. <laughs> you know, this one you use out of desperation, you, this one you use out of desire. Both of them have got an outcome, desire or desperation. You see, we have got difficulty with change, which I'm going to speak about today. You're either going to change through desire or through desperation. The one is just much more painful. How deep is that pain rumple? How deep is that? <laughs> How deep is that pain rumple? How deep is that, that place where you need to go before you get desperate? It's amazing how much people can absorb and absorb and go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And still it doesn't work. So let's dive into, and I cannot go through the whole of Romans 7. Um, and I want to encourage you to go and read through the whole thing. I'm going to try to give you a summary of it. And I'm going to use a few passages from it. But I want to start off where Christian ended last week. Because it's amazing. I'm going to handle only three things to help you understand this whole chapter. I'm going to help you to understand the solution. Well, it's actually the problem. What does not work and what's the solution? But I'm going to start with the solution. Have a panadu. And then I'm going to show us why things don't work, what does not work, and then we're going to look at the real problem. And turn it around. So we're going to actually start off with how Romans 6 ended, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But, thank God, there's a but, because but always gets our but out of something. Okay? But, Christ Jesus. So what is the answer? What is the answer? But, Christ. It's amazing. Romans 6 introduces Romans 7. But, Christ. You know what? It's amazing. Paul says, here's the answer. It's Jesus. Let me promise you, I, I guarantee you, none of you did not know the answer. You all knew the answer. You see, that's not a problem. We all have the answers. The answer is simple. It is Jesus. You see, the question is, should we go and look for the answer? The answer is Jesus. It's simple. It's there, it's out there, and then he goes right in the middle, and he says again, the resurrected Jesus resurrected our bodies. It's Jesus. Then he ends off, he says, wretched man, the answer is Jesus. So let's look at this. Look at that Romans 3 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. He tells us what's the wages of sin. It's death. Death in our relationships, death in our body, death in our friendships, death, death in our marriage, death in our finances. It's death. But there's a solution. And the answer is Jesus. Romans 7 verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you may bear fruit for God. The answer is Jesus. Then he ends of verse 25. Thanks be to God through 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is Jesus. You can go home. You've got your answer. You're not surprised because you knew the answer. How many people in the world knows the answer? You see, the problem is not knowing the answer. Why is it so difficult for us to change while we know the answer? Why is it so difficult for us to allow God to change us while we know the answer? There's things that you and I battle in our lives, and you are aware of it right now. You know it's maybe wrong. You know what the answer is, but we continue living exactly the same because change is really difficult. Why is it so difficult? So let's look at what does not work. Let's read Romans 7 verse 1. And do you not know, brothers, says this, for I'm speaking to those of you who know the law. And if you know, we know. That the law is binding on a person as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. According, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. It's amazing. Paul talks about the law. He talks about knowing the law. And then he goes to marriage. So he's actually saying to us, here's the solution. Why we battle and we don't want to change. We have marriage problems. That's what Paul is saying. He says, you guys have got marriage problems. And I want to help you to understand marriage today. Because you have a marriage problem. And, you're not. and so the first thing is, you either stay single or you get married. But if you get married wrong, you still have a problem. Verse 5, but while we're living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law, we are um, away, um, it's at work in our members to bear fruit of death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Code, written code. So what is he saying here? Paul is helping us to try to understand. He says, I'm going to take marriage as a metaphor, as an illustration to explain to you what is, why does this not work? He says, so you're single. So a single person has got no commitment and no requirements to another person because you're single and you're so free. You can just do whatever. You're unaware of raising children because you never had of your own. You're unaware of, you know, you have to let somebody know you're coming home or you're not coming home because you're single. If you pitch up 12 o'clock at home, that's fine. There's nobody else waiting for you. But you can't do that if you're married. There's an expectation of your husband or your wife back home. Why did you not call me? Why did you stay out till 12 o'clock at night? You are now married. You're no more single. You know, when we're free, we're unaware. We're unaware. We just live the way we want to live. So Paul's saying, how many people in the world have never heard of Jesus? They've never heard the word of God, and they actually are so free. So what happens when they hear the word of God, when they hear the law? 
Oh man, they have now responded because here they single, but you're only single for a little while and then you realize like my Yolani, you know, I need to get married, you know, and uh, I need a husband. I want a husband, you see, and then you kind of look for a husband because you realize even being single, I still miss something. I want a husband, all right? But if, while you're single and you're there, you're unaware of what's happening. It, Paul doesn't say you're really alive. He says you're alive because why? You are unaware because nothing has made you aware of what you are missing, what's going on. And he says, then you hear the law. You either live rebellious where you don't care about, or you come to a place where you are introduced to a husband, and the husband's name is called law. And you get married to law. And now you are married to law. And why did you get married to law? Because you know law is actually going to fulfill the gap in your soul that you realize when you hurt the law. And now you look at the law to do something for you through the law. And your husband must help you to become what you desire, what you want and the longer you stay married to this law, to your husband, your husband keeps on reminding you, wrong, 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 not clear. You're not making it. You're not making it. See, the law, it's got three things it does. It lifts the mirror and it measures you. The law then keeps on exposing more lawlessness. Paul says, what happens when we do this? It becomes more sinful. And then suddenly, it's almost like I was dead to it. Now suddenly I've become alive, and now I'm actually dying. It feels like, why? I'm not just, oh, this is one area. No, every single day when I open up the Lord, the Lord tells me more. Now I feel like this is overwhelming. I'm looking at my husband, and this thing is not working. So you either stay single and you're unaware, it's like somebody who's got cancer, but they don't know it. And they live normal life. That doesn't mean they're not sick. It means they just don't know they are sick. So when you look at them, it looks like they are normal and free. Until somebody tells them and do a scan on them and say, you're not free. You've got cancer. The moment you hear you've got cancer, you're no longer free. Now you're dead. Now you realize what's going on. And because you realize you've got cancer, I need pull. Why? I don't want to be sick. I want to be healed. I want to be okay. So the only way I get healed, let me marry Panadu. Let me marry the law. Let me get, and let me, the law help me. And so the law is going to save me. See, because I need saving. I need rescuing. I need help. I need promotion. I need acceptance. I need significance. And my husband is going to give it to me. His name is law. And it says, you are bound to that law, to your husband, as long as your husband is alive. So you're going to have to kill your husband to get out of it. Some of you got thoughts. Don't do that. Okay, okay, you have to get him dead. And it's amazing, he says, as long as the husband's life, the husband must die. And then Paul suddenly switches it. And he says, you know what? You could get out of this, but death is required. But not let your husband die. You can die. Because when you die, when there's death, 
legally you're released. So a single person is like somebody living with cancer not knowing it. Then you become aware. When the law came, it arose in you. It made you awake. Something is wrong. It's not the law that's the problem. It's what's inside of us that's the problem, that the law suddenly awakened. Oh, I've got cancer. So what's the solution? The solution is, let me get married to the law. Let the law help me. The law helped me. Now you're married to the law. And the more you're married to the law, the more you look at the law, the more you try to you know, obey the law. You, know, you want to please your husband. You want to do everything so your husband is happy, your husband is happy. And the more you do that, the more you realize, I cannot do this anymore. That's why people fall out of the race. Huh, I can't do this Christian thing. I can't do, you know, I can't, I, I can't do the church thing anymore. I, why? Because I've tried so hard. I've tried so hard. I mean, when I was single, I got to the place where I don't want to be single anymore because I realized something is wrong. And then I get married. And now that I'm married, I realize something is still wrong. Now I want to get divorced again. And then and that something's wrong. Then I want to get married again. And it's kind of back and forth between religion, rebellion, religion, rebellion. And I just know, don't know how to change. How do I change? We all need change, don't we? So what is the solution to this? In front of you, I've got a plant, I've got wheat. You see, the law is like a fertilizer. When I put it on wheat, what happens? It's going to grow. And when I put it on a plant, it's going to grow. Oh, but the law, Paul says, is the law sinful? Is it the law that is wrong or is the law just a fertilizer? that makes what is ever, the plant, grow, exceedingly growing. Oh, what? why is the law now that's supposed to bring life to me causes death, causes accelerating of sinfulness? The awareness of sinfulness makes me even more sinful. He says, because the problem is not the fertilizer. The problem is the plant. If you put fertilizer on wheat, wheat's gonna grow. If you put fertilizer on a plant, the plant's going to grow. The one is going to bear fruit of death. The other one is going to bear fruit that glorifies God. You see, I've got another thing here. It's called Roundup. Who knows Roundup? He says the law is a fertilizer. He says, but the law is also Roundup. It kills both plant and wheat. You put it on it, it kills everything. Oh, you know, when I was single, oh no, the law kills me. Suddenly when I hear the law, then I... Plant, it all kills me because I'm trying to oh, rescue me, oh Lord, my husband. It says, You will never be rescued as long as you stay married to this husband. I forgot to bring the other one. This one that you pick and you put it on grass and it kills only the wheat and it leaves the grass. There's no illustration that can actually explain to you our solution, Jesus Christ. You see, it kills only the wheat, but it makes the right things grow. The law has a threefold purpose. It awakens me. It arouses in me the awareness of sin. It doesn't make the law sinful. It just shows us what is sin. The second thing the law does, it judges me. By the law, we fall short. And by the law, none of us are making it. You can be as holy and as religious as possible. 
I had to, part of my studies, I had to go and visit um, a heathen temple. And me and Christian, I chose, said, listen, I've got a place where you're going to go. We're going to go and visit the Hare Krishna temple here in, uh, what's it, Pretoria Street. And um, so we kind of knocked on the door, and after a while, Sorry, 10 o'clock, the guy was only then showering. He's like, okay, it's interesting, slate time. So I know you went to the Buddhist temple. Um, so I had a great conversation at least because the guy pitched up and we sat down and you had no conversation. So we sit with this guy and he knows Jesus. He knows God. He knows. He knows. Brain. He knows. He was saying Jesus is the son of God. We're talking about all the things. He knows, but he's talking about Krishna. And Krishna is the ultimate of mercy and grace. And we accept everything. I said, so in in your faith, everything goes. Even Christianity. Yes, it does. So that means you guys are so gracious that you're saying that everything goes. It's just funny that Muslims will not agree with you. Buddhists will not agree with you. And Christianity won't agree with you because all of them say they are right. And we talked about, you know, Jesus, the Son of God. Yes, He's the Son of God. I said, do you believe in Jesus? I said, yes. I said, what did Jesus say about Himself? He said, He's the only way. No one goes and sees the Father, understands the Father, except through Him. It's very exclusive. He did not include everybody else. You don't believe in Jesus. You should believe in Him. This is what He said about Himself. Friends, we talk about, you know, solution. What are you talking about here? He says, the, the law, it judges me. It tells me I'm short, falling short. And all the law will do always in your life. It will make sure you stay humble. That's the law's job description. It's going to make sure you know that the moment you become arrogant and the moment you think you're better than that worst serial killer, the law tells you, you like him. You just gossiped about your friend. Cursed is he who kills his neighbor in secret. You're like a serial killer. You just lied to somebody else. How's it going? It's going well. You lied. It's not going well. You see, he's just telling you, the law will keep on reminding you, you are so flawed, you don't even believe it. The law will tell you, you are thinking you're so religious, but you're actually so flawed. You are so sinful. You are bad on the inside. The law is going to make you, your husband is going to remind you how bad you are, and you don't want to stay married to that husband. So what's the solution? Stay single doesn't change, you still got cancer. So being single and being married to the law, none of them work. Being rebellious and being religious, none of them work. What is the solution? It's Jesus. We still don't believe it. The third thing the law does, you see the law awakens, it makes me aware. Then the law continues to judge me. It takes me deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Oh, I never get out of it because I'm never, I'm flawed. And you can either now go and become a monk where you isolate yourself and try to save yourself or you can go just rebellious and just go full on for life and none of that works. It takes us to the third thing that the law does. Nowhere does the Bible say the law saves us. But the third thing the law does, it points us. It says it's like a teacher that points us to the solution. The law says, you're wrong. The law says, you're terribly wrong. <laughs> you are deeply sinful. The heart of man is deceitful above all things. No one understands it. You should love the Lord your God. Love your neighbors yourself. So there's three laws. Love God, love self, love your neighbor. No, that's not. There's only two laws. You love God, you love your neighbor. It's not saying love self. 
It's saying the best way you love yourself is love God and love your neighbor. It's not about self-love. The Bible says then last days they will become lovers of self. That's where the problem is. We're getting closer to a real problem here. He says, what is the problem? Romans 7 verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry out. For I do not do the good I want to, but the evil I do, not what, um, um, not want as, oh, sorry, but the evil I do, not want to what I keep doing. <laughs> not doing what I want to keep doing, okay? Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I. Oh, it's no longer I. I'm not responsible. But it's the sin in me. For I found it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God. So this, I want God's law. I want God's law in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war. Here's a fight. Against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Oh, we have a problem here. He says... I've got two people. I'm a little bit schizophrenic here. I've, I'm, a, I'm a this, I'm a good, and I'm a bad. I'm a yin-yang sign. And all good is bad, and all bad is good. You know, you just need to discover the good inside of you, and you work your good, that it work, the good will start to overcome the bad, so that we can save ourselves. Is that not what all religions teach us, except Christianity? All religion says, you fly these airplanes, the ultimate sacrifice, and you kill yourself. Maybe you'll be saved, and still they don't know. You go to humanism. And Darwin, and then, I mean, it's a humanist of God, and you just need to discover the good inside of you, and you work your good, and you work your good. How are you doing with your working of your good? You're doing well? How's your law keeping? How many of you are really keeping the law well? You are all failures, man, myself included. Is that what God asks us, that we would keep the law perfectly so he can accept us? Do you need to save yourself before you become acceptable? You see what religion does. Religion makes church stink. Religion makes us, you know, not want to do the things. And, oh, yeah, let's make disciples and let's go into the world. And you hear this, why do you guys want to do that? You see, there's another war inside of us that's warring against the God. There's warring against spirit. So we have a war between what? Listen to verse 25. He ends off with the answer. So then myself serve the law of God with my mind. But opposite my flesh, I serve sin. What is my flesh? What is my mind? He says, in my mind, I know I need to drink a panado. But in my heart, I want Smarties. I hope Smarties could heal me because why? I enjoy Smarties. I don't enjoy panados. What he's saying is, he says, their real problem is not the law. The real problem is not your husband. The real problem is the, is the husband wrong? No, the husband is pure, it's holy, it's godly, it's perfect. Whom of you have heard this, I'm not under the law, and then you look at the guy's life, he's actually justified himself to live in sin. I'm no longer under the law. I'm a Christian, I'm born again, and therefore I can just continue to live the way I live my life. That is an absolute abuse of the Scripture. Because he says, the law is not dead. 
The law is well in alive, and the law is exactly doing what it's supposed to do. It measures you, it judges you, and it points you. Why does it measure you? So that you can come to the truth. Why does it judge you? Because you need judgment. How many of you expect our government to judge fraud? We would like to see some justice take place. What do you feel when no justice takes place in our nation? You're angry. You're not happy. Why? Because it is wrong. Justice must take place. See, we want justice. We believe in justice. Only time we don't want justice, we don't believe in it, is when you on the bench. Then I don't want justice. Oh, mercy, mercy. But you, justice, justice for you. See, the law makes sure that you and I all know we're guilty for all. You're not born a Christian. You're born a sinner. If you're born in a garage, you're not a car. You're born in a Christian home, you're not a Christian. You're born a sinner. In desperate need of a husband. You see, now he says, not the law must die. Why? He says, because there's nothing wrong with the law. The law should not die. There's something wrong with the wife. She must die. You know who the wife is? Again, have you got the wrong ideas here? It says, we are the bride of Christ. The problem is not a bridegroom, Jesus. The problem is not the law, Jesus' servant. The problem is the bride. Our hearts belong to another. Your mind knows what is right. Your mind knows what it must do. Your mind understands. You have the answer. It's, the answer is... Jesus, you know when you see the answer is Jesus in the mind, and when you know when the answer is Jesus in the heart, you know the difference is? The one says it, the other one lives it. Where your heart is, there your budget will be, your time will be, your schedule will be, your life will be. You cannot serve two masters. You either will hate the one and serve the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's not difficult. It's impossible. You're going to serve money or you're going to serve God. There is no two ways. The Bible makes it very clear. You cannot stay married to this one and expect the benefits of this one. You're going to have to let this one go. And the way you let this one go, don't kill the law. Do not blame the Bible. Do not blame the law. Do not blame what is right. Look on the inside. It's not an external problem, my husband. It's not culture. It's not government. The condition is a heart's condition. My mind knows what is right, but my heart wants to serve something else. And why do I get married to the law? Because the law does not require me to die. The law feeds my pride that I can save myself and I can promote myself. And then I look good. Religion will always promote self. But when you, do, when you get married to Jesus, anyone who wants to follow me, anyone who wants to marry me, you have to deny yourself. You have to come to the end of yourself. You cannot boast about yourself anymore. Paul says, I can boast of nothing else, my good and my bad. Both of those two things, my religion and my rebellion, I lay and I see it as drag. Why? So that I may gain Christ alone. So that I cannot boast. Spurgeon said, I can see easily when the, you know, when the kingdom of God has come close to a man. His mouth has been shut. See, arrogance is the expression 
from law-keeping. Now, the law could be your Bible, or the law could be your business rules, whatever makes you successful apart from Christ. That's your law. It's not just the Bible. It's the things you look at to save you, to rescue you. And then we get married. Why? Because I benefit from marrying this person. When it comes to true Christianity, we die. We don't choose who we marry. Who we marry, he marries us. We die. If your flesh is alive, you will feel it in every moment, every circumstance, because your flesh is shouting at you. And as long as you blame other people, it shows that you're living by the law. There's a new law, the spirit, where we don't live by the written code. But we are married to a Jesus and now the written code becomes a pointer. It becomes a support. The law of God is no more a law that I try to serve. It's a law that serves me. It helps me to know my new husband, Jesus Christ. It helps me. How do I please my husband? And then I come to my husband and say, Jesus, I can't get this right. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrected power. I can help you. The law cannot. Therefore, the law is not wrong. The law is not bad. But the law cannot save you. It's Jesus that saves. It's only Jesus that we look unto who begins and ends and helps us transform. That's why we walk with our husband. Our husband does not just point us wrong, wrong, wrong. Our husband says to us, I died for that. I've forgiven you. I died for that. I've forgiven you. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I've done it. Now, Connor, you don't have to do it. I've done it for you. Believe me. He who believes in Jesus will be saved. It's by faith the just shall live, not by works. You getting it? You're no longer under law, but you still have a law that you know under Christ. And the law, you see, when you love a game, rugby, then you have a big rule book, bigger, as the Bible, bigger than the Bible. You're not worrying why? It's thicker than the Bible. Because when you love the game, the rules becomes life. When you hate the game, the rules, you hate the rules because you hate the rule giver. What's the problem? My heart belongs to another. That's the problem. It's not a law problem. It's an internal condition. Where's your heart? You don't have to force your heart into the game because there's no rules. You need to die to one and give your heart to Jesus. It's not a quick fix to go to heaven. It's an eternal covenant stepping into a new relationship with someone else but the law. That relationship is a continual change. Father, we thank you for this morning. You are here. Dutch, if you have felt the condemnation of the law, you can release it this morning. The law does not condemn you. The law points you to the Savior, your husband, Jesus Christ. He is the answer. But He wants your heart, not just your mind. Because your mind will tell you what's right and your heart will take you into a different direction. Because your heart belongs to another. When we say the Lordship of Jesus Christ, what it basically means is, I give my heart and my mind to Him, not just my mind. 
We want to know in heart, Jesus is the answer. Father, I thank you this morning. Every single person, no matter how difficult, no matter what they face, they say, I want to change. In our minds, we know this. Would you bring it to our hearts? That our hearts will also, in every area of change needed, reject to look for another Savior but Jesus. You're the only answer, the only solution. Just let Jesus speak to you where you are. What is it one area you say, Lord, I really need to change here? And when you say you need change in an area, ask yourself not a mind question because you know the answer is that's wrong. Ask yourself a heart's question. Why do I want this? Why am I keeping wanting this? What is it in my heart that keeps on telling me to do that although I know my mind it's wrong? You're going to have to bring your heart to Jesus in that area. Jesus is the answer. Not money, not fame, not a new work, not your husband, not your spouse. Jesus. He can heal. He keeps on saving. When the law points us, we're wrong. We run to our husband. They said, I'm wrong. And your husband says, let me cleanse you. I died for that wrong. It's wrong. But why don't you just say sorry? You run to your husband every single time you see things. Say, husband, would you save me? And his answer is always, yes, I died for you. I love you. I care about you. He doesn't want you to serve the law anymore. You are free from that law and you want to serve. He wants you to love him. Stay married to Him. Seek Him. Want to please Him. Abide in Him. That's the answer to our problem. Bless your people this morning, God. Continue this message in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.